Lynn Worthy, the Kansas City Stars Royals beat writer, checks in from the road. He brings us the latest on Hunter Dozier, some pitching moves, Bubba Starling's class AAA All-Star season, and tells us who he believes will be the Royals All-Star representative. All of this on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars sports podcast. I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. Lynn Worthy, the Royals beat writer for the Kansas City Star, joins us. Lynn is in Cleveland. He just got finished covering the third and final game of the Royals-Indians series. The Royals lost this one 5-3, to three, lost two out of three from Cleveland. He is um, He will be somewhere over Lake Erie and Lake Ontario tomorrow on his way to Toronto to, to cover the Royals' four-game set with the Blue Jays before returning home. So, Lynn, I, let's uh, let's quickly dismiss of today's game, Wednesday's game. The thing that struck uh, that stuck <laughs> a Freudian slip. The thing that struck out to me was six, sixteen strikeouts by by Royals hitters a night after um, a, a really nice victory. But what, uh, what what was the deal with Royals bats today? Well, I think the primary deal with the Royals bats was Trevor Bauer, the starting pitcher for the Cleveland Indians, just was. I mean, he was pretty close to lights out. I mean, they didn't get get a hit off of him until the fifth inning. Uh, he he accounted for twelve of those sixteen strikeouts. Um, he was throwing ninety six. He was throwing. He was changing speeds. He just um, they really couldn't get much going on him. And I think and he only gave up three hits, and all three of those came in that one inning. Other than that, they really didn't do much of anything against Bauer. Um, got a little bit trying they started to get a little bit cooking in the uh late innings once he was out of the game but um yeah they just he he basically handcuffed them yeah and that third hit of that uh, three hit inning was the the billy hamilton bloop double down the left field line so um they did get a run off of him but but it wasn't enough the royals lose they fall to i believe the record is 28 and 53 uh at this point am i have i got that about right that is correct through wednesday they're 28 and 53 Twenty-eight and fifty-three for a team that's been pretty much five hundred the last three weeks. So, not a discouraging sign um, or, or you know period of play for the Royals. They've had a few things go well for them. One of the things that has gone well for them in the, in the very recent past was the return of Hunter Dozier and his uh, his ninth inning at bat on Tuesday may be the highlight of the season for the Royals so far this year. Set it up for us. Um, Royals enter the inning down. What was it? Was it six to three? Uh, yeah, it was. Yep, it was six three against you know just the um, probably the hottest closer in Major League Baseball. Brad Hand had converted twenty two of twenty two save opportunities. So you know you had to feel good about that um, with the three run uh, deficit and uh, the first five batters, including Dozier, um, reached base. I mean it was Martin Maldonado. Uh, Billy Hamilton, uh, then you had uh, Witt, and then Nicky Lopez with an infield single that scored a run to make it 6-4, and then uh, Alex Gordon with a sort of a bloop single to load the bases, and so then Dozier's coming up, and it's you know a two-run game with Dozier coming up, and you're thinking a hit scores two, and you at least are able to um, you know tie it up and then potentially take the lead if you get some more uh key at bats uh the rest of the lineup behind dozier but he he skipped right over that and just decided that, you know 
take them deep to center and um, just score four all at once. So that two-run deficit at that point turned into a two-run lead. And, uh, you know, uh, the Royals fans were were clearly enthused. I was, you know, a little less enthused just because my story had been written. But, you know, that's one of those ones where you don't, you don't mind uh, switching gears, I guess. So, right, right, um, right. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, of all the, you know, on the road – against a team that, um, you know, is still in the hunt for the division there. You know, even with the injuries and things that Cleveland's had, um, they're still on the, the Twins' tail trying to trying to make a race out of this thing. Um, and with the closer that's been lights out, they they put together a five-run ninth inning to, to win by two. So, yeah, it was, um, you know, it's sort of, and for Dozier, um, the last couple of games, I mean, he had, um, some, he had a key hit uh, in the rally that they didn't finish back at home in Kaufman against the Twins. Um, and then I think he had another big hit, I remember, the Sunday game. Saturday, I know he had a hit that um, uh, that tied it, but then they ended up losing it in the 10th inning. But then he had a, another big hit, I can't remember, I think it was a double, maybe an RBI double on Sunday. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, he had an IL stint, uh, did a re- rehab, um, and then in between that and returning to the to the Royals, you know, had uh, his he and his wife celebrated the birth of uh, his uh, baby daughter. So, yeah, it's been a busy week for him. It has been. It really has been. And look, today's game, not, notwithstanding, well, he struck out four times today. But um, uh, any any concerns that, that people had about him not regaining his form that had uh, established him as the, the one of the eye opening players in the American League? Uh, until he until he strained the oblique, uh, those were put to rest as as you mentioned with some of the the, the at bats that he's had since he has returned. And let's let's revisit the grand slam because there were some um, some historical uh, moments to associated with that. It it was his first career grand slam. What a time to do it! Ninth inning of a game in which you're trailing. It was also the first time that the Royals had ever beaten the Indians in Cleveland when trailing by three, at least three runs going into the ninth inning. Uh, they were 0-115 uh, in, in, uh, in, in that situation. And the other thing was um, they had never hit – I don't think they'd ever hit a grand slam to go ahead uh, to, to turn, turn a deficit into a victory or a lead, I should say, a deficit into a lead in the ninth inning. And, uh, they've, they've had walk-off grand slams. They've had grand slams to break ties – but they haven't, you know, and, and and you know, but but they've never had one that turned a deficit into a lead. So, a lot of uh, historical notes on the Hunter Dozier hit. What 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 kind of pitch did he hit? Uh, it was a slider. It was a slider that, um, you know, just stayed up enough for him to you know square it up and just take it deep to center. Um, he hit a slider. As a matter of fact, I think it was. Uh, the, he had a home run. That's what it was on Sunday, I think. Sunday he had a home run, and that was a slider. But they tried to go at him a couple times with the slider. They got him, uh, I think, earlier um, in the tournament for the previous at bat or earlier in that at bat. But um, yeah, they tried to go back to it, and they didn't get away with it that time. And then this time uh, with hand, um, you know, he he's, he was trying to look for something up. But he said, but then. Um, in the back of his mind, knew that they, he might come at him with the slider, and when he got it, he didn't miss it. So and he and he knew it right away as soon as he hit it. He had a walk off earlier this season at Kaufman. It wasn't a home run, but a walk off hit. And I think I've asked him. It might have been twice now about just sort of the mentality in those situations because you know um, a big spot like that. Um, it seems like he's just got he's developing at least that knack for coming through. 
And he said he joked, uh, I think both times that, um, you know, he'd failed enough in those situations to, to be able to handle them. But, um, but yeah, he's basically just, you know, stay within the approach, try not to make, put too much pressure on yourself. And, uh, that's worked so far. I, I think if, you know, the, the, it's been such a disappointing season for the, for the Royals is, you know, they're at the halfway point just about now. Uh, but he and, and, uh, Alberto Montesi, uh, Jr. are the two brightest spots for, for this team. And, you know, Montesi, of course, now he's, you know, he, he's resting, recovering from a, from a groin injury, but the fact that Dozier returned and kind of picked up where he left off, what an encouraging sign that's got to be for the Royals. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, he looks like, you know, with him, Mondesi, they look like guys that you you would consider the core of what they hope to be building going forward. Um, You know, I think individually, there's been some things that you can be sort of optimistic about. It's just overall, like we mentioned, the team's record and um, the fact that, you know, now they're playing close to the 500 ball. They had sort of um, talked about if they could do that, you know, going into like May or June that, you know, they could maybe put themselves in position to be at least in the hunt, you know, or in the conversation as far as potentially a wild card when you get to the end of the season. Obviously they didn't start that, you know, get to that point early enough for that to really be viable, but individually, whether it's Dozier, whether it's Mondesi, seeing what we've seen from Whit Merrifield, uh, Nicky Lopez coming up, having his little bit of struggles early, but it's starting to come around again in the last couple of weeks. Um, so individually, you see some things with it's, you know, the continued development of some of the guys in the pitching staff. I mean, um, it's just they, they just haven't put it together um, nearly enough for them to, you know, uh, turn that record around. Right. The lineup looks good. Uh, it has for, for a while now. Pitching has been a question all season long, uh, and some some recent moves have uh, you know have, have been noteworthy. Uh, Lopez to the bullpen. What uh, uh, that that seems like a, a kind of a no brainer, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean he, that's really where he he had been. Remember they acquired him from Milwaukee. Milwaukee had him as a bullpen guy. I mean I think coming into this season. Um, he had, I believe, nine starts in the majors, and um, you know he had full ten starts this year with the with the Royals um, before they decided to make the move back. So they gave it a pretty good long look. Um, the numbers basically tell the story. I mean, he's one of those guys where uh, I think working through that lineup, turning over multiple times, just didn't didn't uh, work for him. I mean, the first time through, he's holding the pawns sort of like two forty batting average, and they were slugging you know less than four hundred. By the time you get to the the third time around, they were they were batting up over 300 and slugging like 750. I mean, it's just you know he's one of those guys where if he can just come out attack you, um, have to rely on only a couple of pitches, you know, whatever's working that night, and be able to go at you with that, and not have to face the same guys two or three times, then he's way more effective. And that's what we've seen so far coming out of the bullpen. But as a starter, it just wasn't there. Um, then you know, uh, and he was I think his record was 0-6 by the time they pulled him out, um, and just you know as a as a reliever, I think he can, you know, get a little more velocity on the fastball and not have to worry about mixing, you know, four pitches and uh, trying to set guys up for later at bats. Right, and if the Royals ever have a bullpen um, starter, uh, you know, you, you could see him as a possibility or you know, somebody who would be a, 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 a you know committee guy if they ever had to pull off that trick. 
Yeah, and he's one of those guys who can give you, you know, he's not a one or two batter guy necessarily. I mean, he could give you multiple innings. It's just a matter of, like I said, trying to face the lineup, you know, two or three times. But he can definitely give you multiple innings. He's that type of guy. He's a, um, and if you needed the spot start guy or, you know, or a bullpen day where you got to say, okay, who can give us, you know, two or three innings and sort of bridge it till we get to the rest of the guys in the bullpen. He's definitely that type of guy, too. All right. Okay. And so the Royals have had to, Perform a little roster ballet here in the last day or so with uh, Eric Skoglin coming off the the eighty game suspension for the the drug policy violations. Um, it meant Skoglin to Omaha, Brad Boxberger kind of out of a job, and uh, and and Hill uh, uh, was on the roster today, pitched today. What uh, uh, what do you make of this flurry of moves, and uh, how long how long before you think we might see Eric Skoglin play for the uh, for the parent club? Well, so the um, the reason that Boxberger was basically out of luck was, uh, or the odd man out, I should say, was, um, you know, so Skoglin had to come off the restricted list and you had to put him on a 40 man. So you had to make some room somehow for him to go back on the 40 man. That wasn't, you know, um, it really, there was no uh, um, debate about that. I mean, that basically you had to do that. So once you did that, say, okay, now who's coming off of the 40 man roster, whether Skoglin was going to join the big league club, which obviously he didn't, or if he's going to the minors. And so, um, which he did to, to Omaha. Yeah, yeah. And he's going to Omaha, and he's expected to go into the rotation there and and, and pitch as a starter, as he's been doing during his uh, rehab assignment. Um, and so, Boxberger was basically the uh, the last guy. Uh, as a matter of fact, Ned Yost referred to as the last guy on the staff. I mean, um, he had you know they signed him in February to try and they were trying to figure out what they're going to do with this bullpen and try and get something solidified there because. You know, they just last year's bullpen was was horrid, and um, this year they were trying to get some more veterans in there. Um, so they signed him in February, uh, hoping he could regain the form that he had back in 2015. He was an All Star, um, and it just it just wasn't there. I mean, um, he had a good stretch in May um, where he was the ERA was down under three. It was like two eight nine and ten appearances. Opponents were hitting by like 150 off of him. He had a long stretch of scoreless innings uh, in there. But the um, problem was, was April, April and uh, March, April, and then June, uh, he sandwiched a couple of ERAs that were close to six around that one month where he was pretty good. And it got to the point where he was sort of the pitcher of last resort out of the bullpen on certain nights, you know. So, I mean, um, it basically was just the writing was on the wall. If they, if they were going to make the bullpen move, um, he was the one that sort of the uh, least reliable of their options. So they cut bait with that. Uh, and he he had been on just a one-year deal um, when they signed him in February. Right, right. Okay. Um, so a little, little piece of news that broke uh, uh, today or yesterday. I, I can't remember now, but Bubba Starling is a is a AAA All-Star. He is a mid-season All-Star for the first time in his minor league career. He's the Storm Chasers' lone All-Star representative uh, for the AAA game in El Paso on on July 10th. Bubba's hitting 314 with five homers, nine doubles, nine stolen bases in 61 games. I um, I got to think that this is what the Royals had in mind in terms of building his confidence when um, when when they when they spoke in spring training and, and just whenever asked about. Bubba and why he re- remains in in Class AAA and and is not with the parent club. 
That's yeah, yeah, and um, and also since we're doing podcasts, well, we don't have to worry about the days. You know, people will be listening to this different days, so we don't that's, have to worry about that. Thank that's you, right. thank you so, for that you because go. that is a skill uh, <laughs> that I have not yet acquired as a as a podcast host to, to always. That's right, that's right. It's it happened whatever day that you're listening to it, folks. That's exactly um, right. But <laughs> anyway, but uh, but yeah, Bubba. I mean, you know, and uh, of course, there's been for probably a couple of weeks now. Once once Nicky Lopez got called up, that he was the next one in line as far as the fans clamoring for let's call this guy up the team's losing anyway we want to see him especially being a local guy um but uh the, the for him with all the injuries that have hampered him throughout his career the fact that he's having success and that he's playing regularly and that he's able to you know see um sort of things pay off from all the work he's doing i think that's more important at least to the front office right now um, than you know, just appeasing fans with uh, you know a call up that um, also would be somewhat problematic in terms of you know he's out of options. So whenever he comes up, you have to keep him up, and then also whenever he comes up, you gotta you you would want him to play on a regular basis. And right now, um, with Whit Merrifield playing in the outfield, with uh, them still not reluctant to make uh, Jorge Soler an everyday DH and still have him playing in the outfield. Um, even if people and people always point to Billy Hamilton, but even with the, with those two and Alex Gordon, even if you take Hamilton out of the equation, there's not necessarily everyday playing time for Bubba right now, which defeats the purpose of you know bringing him up if he's not going to play regularly. Um, obviously, he's missed a lot of time with injuries over the past few years, so you want him to play every day to continue his development, to continue to have success. Um, I would expect that you know later on in the season that he's probably comes up at some point, but. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know that he's really harmed by being able to be a AAA All Star and be able to play every day. And he has still, you know, uh, missed a couple of games here or there with a little uh, nagging injuries, but he's played, you know, uh, for the most part all season. Um, and yeah, I mean, so it's, I mean, for him to be able to play in a AAA All Star game doesn't hurt anything. I mean, I mean yeah, obviously. That's right. You know, uh, and he's and he's been, you know, stellar defensively. The bat has been really good this season. Um, not a whole heck of a lot of power, but he's hitting consistently um, from the start of the season. He had a good spring training, you know, with the big league club. Um, so it's all good signs right now. I guess the only downside is for the folks who are clamoring to see him. But, I mean, um, you know, he's one of those guys, I believe he's 26. And you talk about a guy like Dozier who's just coming into his own. He's 27 years old. I mean, so, I mean, it's not necessarily – ideal if you were to map it out as far as age but i mean everybody's gonna develop at different rates and you have the injuries it slows things down so i mean i think there's still time for bubba absolutely okay lynn let's uh let's our final topic will be the all-star the major league all-star game and royals representation on the american league team um what first of all what's the what's the timetable for this we We've noticed the the push by uh, by the Royals for the vote Dozier uh, in the to the starting lineup. Uh, I, I guess there's the the starting lineup voting, and then uh, and then the um, you know the, the manager picks the uh, the league picks the the roster. So what's uh, how, how is this? Uh, we've got to be close, right, to uh, to getting uh, an all star team put together. Yeah. So what the um, and they've changed it uh, a little bit in terms of who gets the um, decide different parts of the roster but so the starting lineups um what the fans are voting on and they've broken that up into two different segments there was a vote to sort of trim it down to three finalists for each position um and that's where dozier ended up in the finalists at third base 
um, people, some people have been like, well, how come, you know, a guy like Whit Merrifield isn't in that? Well, partially, and I can come back to this again later, but partially um, the fact that he switched positions. I think at one point he was on a ballot as a second baseman, and then uh, later on as the outfielder because they brought up Nicky Lopez and made him the everyday second baseman. Um, but So he didn't make it to that final three group, so he's not somebody that they could vote for. So I think that's a big part of why it's all Dozier right now is because he's the one who still in that final group they had a chance to start. Um, voting for that closes... I believe tomorrow, and we find out the all-star starters on, when I say tomorrow, I mean Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, so Thursday we should find out all-star starters. And then after that, uh, Sunday, find out the rest of the roster. What's interesting about the rest of the roster is there's player voting that goes into that, which I believe has already been done. It hasn't been announced or anything, but the players have already voted. And then it's not a manager selection. It's now they, the way they do it, I guess, Major League Baseball, they, they call it the commissioner's office. I'm not sure who's specifically in the commissioner's office, but that's where they'll fill out the rest of the rosters and make sure that every team gets representation. And um, They may get some input from the managers, but the managers are not picking the, um, the, the remaining roster spots anymore. Um, and so that's where it gets interesting because everything's in the one basket for Dozier right now because he's the only one who's a finalist. But um, And I was talking about this earlier today with a couple of different people. That I feel like Whit Merrifield's probably the guy who ends up on this roster, even though everything is all about Dozier right now. Because I think when you get to the player vote, when you get to commissioner's office selecting somebody who's going to represent the team because you figure with the year the Royals are having, you only get one one guy on the, on the roster. Right. Um, I think you look down, I mean, just, just statistically, okay, so now, and obviously Witt and, and everybody will say, well, you know, it's only on this year, it's not on past years, because, you know, you think about last year, what he did leading the league in hits and stolen bases hadn't been done in, uh, I think it was like two decades or something like that. Um, take that out of the equation, even though I think players will have that in the back of their minds when they're voting for people, but you take that out of the equation, we just look at this year. Among the lead leaders in batting average, multi-hit games, runs scored, leads the league in hits, leads the league in total bases, ahead of some guy that you that we like to call Mike Trout. People may have heard of him. Uh, among the league leaders in doubles, triples, um, extra base hits, uh, hitting like 350 with runners in scoring position. I mean, I think he's the guy. I mean, like I say, it's Dozier right now because of the way the voting um, broke out, but I think when he gets to, you know, front office people or whoever from the commissioner's office and the players vote, I I expect it to be wet. I mean, not to anything against Dozier, but I mean, I think just the the numbers he's put up, the track record, he, record he's had. Um, plus, I think there's, you know, not that um, players necessarily think about this, but I think there's sort of a, a feel good thing there for a guy who spent so much time in the minors, even though he was playing really well and just sort of got. You know, the numbers game kept him out of the big leagues until he was, you know, about almost 30 years old. And now he's performing and get a chance to make an all-star game. I think that would be a cool thing. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, not to mention that from a strategy standpoint, he's a pretty valuable guy because he plays the multiple positions. If, you know, if it's a close game, he hasn't played, um, you know, you need to make some kind of uh, maneuver to, you know, to, to – Keep your defense strong. The the American League will be able to would, would be able to do that with someone like Merrifield. So I agree with you. I, I think he is the Royals' strongest candidate. What would be the the small circle of other candidates who uh, you know who would be a possibility here? 
Well, obviously, along with Dozier, I think uh, you talking about you talking about Royals candidates. Yeah, Royals candidates. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if if Mondi hadn't been hurt, only problem is you know that shortstop position is always so um, so loaded with guys. Uh, you know, whether it's Lindor or um, I'm not even sure if they put. Um, uh, Glaber Torres at that position now because uh, he, you know, he's played there this season for the Yankees with uh, Didi Gregorius out. Um, but there's always a, a glut of shortstops. Um, but Mondesi, I think, between you know what he, the two-way player, switch hitter, leading the league in triples, leading the league in stolen bases. I think if it, the injury may hurt him a little bit, uh, I'm not sure even if he. Um, if he was ready to go, whether or not he would or he wouldn't, just you know, um, based off of the uh, the injury that he's got right now and the, his track record, I think the health would be the first thing. Um, I guess the other candidate would probably be, and I'm not sure if it would be an all-star game, but I think definitely for home run derby, if he was asked, would be uh, Jorge Soler. Um, the, the power numbers he put up this season, um, already over 20 home runs on pace for a franchise record if he was in get over 40 home runs a season. Um, he's, you know, one of the turned himself into one of the top power hitters in the American League. Um, you know, I think coming into Wednesday, he was fifth in the league in home runs, um, up there in RBIs in the top 10. So uh, to me, those would be your guys that you would be talking about as candidates for an all-star game. Okay, very good. Well, hey, Lynn, I appreciate you spending some time with us. I want you to travel safe to uh, to the Great North. We're home of the NBA champion Raptors, and uh, uh, somehow try to have some fun in Toronto on Thursday night. Yeah, I'll, I'll, it'll be tough, but I'll try and find a way. And uh, if I run into Kawhi out there, I'll tell him you say hi. Well, sounds good, Lynn. Take care. All right, thanks. You too. Links to the stories we discuss can be found in the show notes on facebook.com slash trueblue, the True Blue app, on kansascity.com, and in the print editions of the Kansas City Star. Thanks to producers Kathy Liu, who somehow got this podcast off the ground without a microphone, and Leah Becerra, who's owed an apology by Lynn and me for violating date reference rules throughout the podcast. We'll be back soon to talk sports in Kansas City on Sportsbeat KC.